You're listening to Living Healthy Longer by the Columbine Health System Center for Healthy Aging. I've always had a passion for um, connecting with our elders, with older adults. And both my mom and my aunt had developed dementia um, over the last 10 years. They both since uh, died, but um, I've just always had a passion for um, being an advocate and helping support people that have dementia and really any older adult to have as good of quality of life as possible. And when the pandemic started, uh, I could tell right at the beginning that it was going to be a real challenge um, for older adults, especially those living in long-term care. I had worked in long-term care for about 10 years, and which was an incredibly rewarding experience. And um, I had read an article, which was kind of part of the story I wanted to share, uh, from the Washington Post that was talking about pandemic isolation in older adults um, being part of the problem that was leading to tens of thousands more people dying from isolation. And it was really affecting people with dementia significantly because connecting in a social way to the people that we love is um, such an important part of our quality of life. And so it really was what drove me to uh, want to look into projects um, that could bring people together and allow them to connect in whatever way was possible in as safe of a way as possible. And so that's kind of the little bit of the story of how the hug tunnel got started. Um, it was just because of a, of a love of um, older people and wanting to do whatever little thing I could do and the group of people that I connected with, what we could do to make a difference for these people um, and help support the caregivers that were taking care of them. On our last episode, you heard from Associate Professor Gloria Luong about the importance of social connection for healthy aging. Today, we're bringing you a story that came out of the COVID times in an interview with nurse practitioner Peggy Budai. Peggy works on the older adult and palliative care programs at UC Health. When COVID-19 caused long-term care facilities to go on lockdown, residents lost their social connections and were unable to visit with family and friends, leading to feelings of isolation, depression, and worsened health outcomes. Peggy and her colleagues responded by building a hug tunnel a contraption that allowed residents to safely touch and visit with their families behind the protection of plastic walls. I talk with Peggy in this episode about where she got the idea for the hug tunnels and how it felt to watch families be reunited in such uncertain, unsafe times. I hope you enjoy. I'm your host, Hannah Hallisker. And this is Living Healthy Longer, a podcast from the Columbine Health System Center for Healthy Aging at Colorado State University. Well, first off, let me say first off, thank you, Peggy, for being on the show and talking to us about this Hug Tunnel Project. Oh, absolutely. I'm excited to be here to talk about it. It's been one of the most meaningful, fun projects that I've really ever worked on. So I'm very excited yeah. to talk about it. 
Yeah. And I can't wait to hear some of the stories you have to tell about it. So you had read this article about pandemic isolation and loneliness affecting older adults in long-term care facilities. And you came up with this idea for the hug tunnels. So before we keep going, can you tell us just what is a hug tunnel and maybe give us a little bit of a visual that we can work with? Yeah, it's basically a canopy tent with one side of it with a soft piece of painter's plastic that you'd cover your carpet. We put armholes in it in strategic heights, fixed with uh, embroidery hoops, actually. And uh, so people could reach through both directions and fully embrace each other and give each other a hug. Um, And then we would clean it in between uses. So that's kind of, hopefully that gives you a visual of what it is and a little bit of the story of why we got started. Can you tell us a little about where you got the idea for the hug tunnel? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was working uh, on creating a flyer to help long-term care facilities know what some of the innovative things were that people could be doing to engage in social activities. Because it appeared that across the state of Colorado, some facilities were doing an amazing job of doing hallway bingo and finding all these creative ways for residents to connect with each other and for families to be able to connect. And, but that there was some variability. So it seemed like a good idea to make a flyer um, to share kind of best practice across the state because we were working with the Colorado Department of Public Health and they were open to, to us sharing this information. So I was researching things across the world that different people were doing. And I came across this article out of Brazil that the picture was of a, of a, a Brazilian family, a father and son getting to hug through a sheet of plastic. And I was like, oh my gosh, wouldn't that be wonderful if we could have that here in Northern Colorado? And I didn't see that idea yet in the United States and thought, what if we could bring that kind of social connection to our community and then maybe help spread the word? I had seen a family also, there was an article in Canada. And so that's where we um, got the idea for it. And and then it kind of grew from there. So um, I uh, continued then, I, I put the word out and I people were beginning to share with me articles that they started to see popping up across the country and across the world of um, different groups figuring out similar ways to bring hugs to to their families and to older adults in our communities. Right. Yeah. You say the idea just kind of grew from there. So can you tell us maybe about the group that helped you bring the hug tunnel together and how you kind of grew it from just this idea to something that, you know, was popping up all over the upper front range area of Colorado? Yeah, well, I'll say some of the place that it's been, like, of course, we started in northern Colorado, and I, I counted, we actually had eight events in northern Colorado um, at nursing homes and memory cares, and actually a couple at the Museum of Discovery in Fort Collins um, for musicians to be able to hug each other. Um, and so that's just as Museum of Discovery helps us with our music connection because we began to incorporate music into our events. Um, 
But a little bit about where it's been that I'm aware of, like I said, we started in Northern Colorado. Uh, the group that um, worked on this was a subcommittee of the Colorado Healthcare Ethics Resource Group. Our little group was the long-term care subcommittee from that. And I can, I'll tell you in a little bit about who some of the people were that helped make it happen. But we were able to help uh, Longmont start their own hug tunnels and through true community care. And it got some, their event got some publicity from the Denver news media, which was then picked up by ABC World News Tonight, which was amazing. Um, my colleague Amanda Meyer with uh, that group um, was interviewed and boy, they did a wonderful story. So I, I recommend people checking that out. Then one of the connections in our group is Telogen, which is the Quality Improvement Organization for Medicare. They helped us host, or we didn't host, we were asked to be a part of one of their um, national quality improvement webinars so that we could talk about the hug tunnel um, so that it was spread across the country. And our local Telogen that serves Colorado also serves Illinois, Oklahoma, and Iowa. So we know some hug tunnels ended up in those parts of the country. And then we also started a Facebook page called The Hug Tunnel. And I think we tried to spread the word through social media that way. And then I had people reaching out to me from a facility in Wilmington, Delaware, one's, one from Queens, New York, and one from Oklahoma, where I worked out with them one-on-one um, -on -one to help them bring the hug tunnel to their city or to their facility. Right. So tell us about, you know, you set up the hug tunnel at one of these facilities, then what is it like to watch that? You know, what is the whole process as it unfolds? Because, you know, family members came to be able to hug their loved ones and to have that physical connection. So can you tell us a little bit about how it was to witness that? Um, yes, I'd be happy to because um, being a part of those moments during the pandemic when even with our own families, we weren't able to see each other. Um, it was just some of the most amazing moments that not only because of the pandemic, but in my life that I've experienced. So what would happen is the facility would reach out to families and say, you know, we have this opportunity with the, this thing called the hug tunnel for you to be able to come and hug your loved one through plastic um, that we'll be making sure is cleaned per um, CDC guidelines. And you'll each have 10 or 15 minutes to sit and visit after you hug each other. So the family would arrange the visit and then the all the time slots would fill up almost immediately is what the facilities would say because they'd handle that end of it and then we would get volunteers from the groups that i just mentioned and we'd come set up the hug tent and um at like 15 to 20 minute intervals so that we had time in between to to clean the um the plastic the family or the staff would bring the resident out the family would have signed up and done the, um, we would take their temperature and do all the COVID things. 
and get to talk to the family. And I will say getting to talk to some of the families um, before the, before the hugging happened, when they were saying things like, I haven't hugged my mom in over 250 days, things like that. Sorry, I get emotional because it was such a powerful experience to be able to be a part of this human connection that I knew was probably one of the last times that people would get to hug each other. And so anyway, get a hold of myself here. Um, so the, the resident would come out and be on one side of the tent. The family member would be on the other. And it was like this explosion of joy. That it was just like a magical moment. Um, and sometimes it was awkward for people who were like making fun of the, the plastic or whatever and how awkward. But the fact that they could still reach through and put their arms around their loved one and pull them in. Um, yeah, it's words can't describe it really. So. Yeah. Yeah. You created an experience that people needed again in a time that was very difficult. And yeah. I'm sure that people will remember that probably for the rest of their lives, those family members that got to come and, and, you know, hug their loved ones. It's not something yeah. you forget. Mm-hmm. No. And I, I have like, um, some mornings I'll wake up and I must've been thinking about it or dreaming about it because I'll have some of the images of, of some of the hugs that, um, that I was able to be there and witness. It felt like such an intimate moment that, um, but was also so public at the same time. Right. Uh, it was, and it was something that I would say that the hugs, like they were intimate, but the energy that was given off to all the, all the volunteers and all the people surrounding that event, that, that feeling of social connection of humanity, of this is the right thing to do right now was just so clear. Um, it was just a, a powerful moment, powerful moments like added on top of each other. And, um, the, we haven't, I haven't mentioned it much, but, uh, we got music involved pretty quickly after the very first event. The first event we had was at the museum of discovery and they have, and it was for musicians because they are a very loving, socially connected group. And they were just, um, really suffering because of not being able to hug each other. So they had reached out heard about it through Amber Frenzel with area agency on aging and, um, which is how the music connection happened for us because um, sound effects had gotten a grant from next 50 to bring music to people during the pandemic. And because a lot of musicians and of people that played music, they weren't getting the opportunity to do that. And so Hannah heard about our work and then she joined our group and then at every event, we would have two sets of musicians come and play music, which because it was during the holiday season, it was mostly um, playing instrumental Christmas music and just music of the times. And we had some um, 
uh, I'm bad with types of music, but like uh, quartets or something like um, playing a bass and someone on drums and the keyboard. Uh, anyway, it was bringing music to the events was like bringing life to it. It was uh, something I realized the first few notes of the music being played, everyone there benefited from the music. It like um, to have that be a live, to have live musicians playing for folks uh, was absolutely wonderful. Um, and so I, I can't thank Hannah and um, all the musicians that played. I can't thank them enough. And I think it was a rewarding experience for them as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I know one of the things um, that I found interesting when we brought the music, because some of the people were asking, you know, what some of the research, because we were thinking about trying to apply for grants to, to buy the hug tunnels and different things like that. And I found it interesting because I had researched the benefits of hugging and they were the research shows that it boosts your immune system, that it can help release stress, that it benefits your heart, it increases your energy and your mood, it can improve your memory. Um, and I, the, I was trying to think of the, the hormone. It also increases oxytocin, which is your feel-good hormone. And those are the exact same things that music does, that research shows that music does. And I'm actually, I'm not sure if hugging helps your memory, but I know music does. And so um, anyway, that was just like a powerful reinforcement that we were doing the right thing by um, having people hug each other with, with music playing. Right. Yeah. You have the research to back what you were doing, but I bet you probably didn't even need that research. You probably could have seen those effects right in front of your eyes, couldn't you? Yeah, we absolutely could. Um and everybody there, I mean, it, it's not something you even questioned. It was like clear that this is good for humanity, that, um, that we all need this, that the volunteers often, well, I think all of them said, I'm getting way more out of this than I feel like I'm giving just to be able to be a part of it. So that's that fantastic. Huge. Yeah. What was your personal takeaway from the Hug Tunnel Project? I know when I talked to you before that you think it's going to be, you know, go down as one of your greatest accomplishments of your career. Yeah, I think um, to date, I won't assume that I'm not going to have kind of this same mountaintop type experience. Um, but to date, it's definitely, sorry, been the most rewarding thing that I've been a part of. Um, being able to help those few families be able to hug each other and to build the connections that I built with the group of volunteers that, that we've worked together on this. It just felt like these beautiful flowers in the desert because the being able to connect with people, um, we appreciate it, I think, so much more and so much more deeply now when that was sort of kind of taken away from us because of the pandemic. And so um, 
each, each of those hugs or each of those moments just really did feel like this beautiful blossom or beautiful gem that was just cherished. And that's, it made such a, um, a huge difference in my, my personal life that, um, yeah, I, I will, I'll never forget those, those moments and the music and, and all of that. So. That's wonderful. So the hug tunnels, they were, you know, the last, I feel like I started seeing news stories about them in the last few months of 2020. And now here we are, vaccines have been released and and people, you know, 50% plus vaccinated right here in Colorado. And what happened to the hug tunnels after all of that? Well, we knew when we started them that they'd have a limited shelf life. And we have not had a hug tunnel event since earlier this spring when um, the last one we had was in Greeley at a memory care facility. And it was the week after people, if they had been vaccinated, they were allowing people to hug as long as they were wearing masks. And so we were glad to kind of close this chapter of the hug tunnel. Um, but it hasn't closed the relationships that we formed. Um, in fact, our group, our long-term care subcommittee group has continued to meet. We've actually hosted a couple of what are called listening sessions so that residents of long-term care um, could share some of their thoughts and ideas on the social isolation and how um, how getting their input, how important that is, that we maybe didn't do as good enough of a job of, of getting that, um, making sure their voice was heard. And so even though the chapter on the actual hug tunnels is, is closing, it's really opened um, up doors of, you know, how we can do as what we can learn from the pandemic and how we can maybe do things better in the future, especially in regards to listening to our older adults and um, listening to them in our communities and figuring out better ways to proactively do social engagement in a safe and effective way. And I know facilities did an amazing job of, um, of doing that and just what are some lessons learned and how we can move forward, even though the hug tunnels aren't still happening. Right. Right. Well, now is the point in, in the episode where I ask you the question that I ask everyone who comes on the show. And it's always interesting to see what people say, because everybody just comes from a different, you know, work life and career and perspective. So what is your best advice for healthy aging? from your perspective and what you work on? Well, I would say that my, my best advice is to give and receive hugs and to sing, even if you have a terrible singing voice like I do, and to enjoy music. Um, I grew up never being a, a musician. I, like I said, I don't sing well. Um, but because of my understanding of the amazing impacts of music and movement, I myself have learned to play the Native American flute. And I try to play a little bit of it every day. And it's amazing how 
it's helped me to um, feel happier. And um, I can't imagine that it's not going to improve my, my experience of aging. So I would say hugging music and um, figuring out a way, something that you can do that's musical. That's an incredible answer. Well, Peggy, you did an incredible thing again at a time when a lot of people needed that social connection and that physical connection. And like I said, there's going to be so many people out there that will will remember that for the rest of their lives because you created that opportunity for them along with your team. So I don't know. That's just, I don't need to thank you for them, but on behalf of them, I want to thank you for them because that was just so necessary in that time. Well, thank you so much. When you mentioned that you had this opportunity, I was like, absolutely. I'd love to share what the process was and and to just visit with you because it was such a meaningful thing for me to be a part of. So thank you. And so I guess I could tell you, I'd love to share a little bit about who some of the people are that helped. Um, So Risa Hayes is the co-facilitator with me of our little long-term care subcommittee for SHARE. And since she works with Telligence, she kind of helped bridge that connection to share this with um, skilled nursing facilities across the country. And Aspire3D, it's a nonprofit, um, and their mission is to work with uh, the clients of the Loveland Housing Authority um, to provide resources. And I love their mission is to help people to um inspire their residents to dream, dare, or do activities that elevate their quality of life. So their mission was in line with the hug tunnel and they actually bought our first hug tent. So um, Darlene Bassetti was the one that we worked with with that and her and I have been friends for years. And then it was a lot of different agencies like Charter Healthcare Group, um, Andrew, um, Alexis and Taylor, Senior Helpers, Emily LeBlanc, Directors of nursing and social workers from nursing homes like Carrie McFarland and Ty Grafe. Um, and then uh, my stepdaughter, when she was home from, for a vacation, and her boyfriend, my husband, his friend Matt, because we needed engineers, uh, Eliza Peisman with the Office on Aging, who's an ombudsman, Mindy Rickard, and then even folks like Dr. Eric France, who's the chief medical officer for the Colorado Department of Public Health. He helped us connect to the infection prevention people at the state because we wanted to make sure that um, since we were introducing these hug tents, hug tunnels to long-term care facilities, we wanted to make sure we did it the right way and that we weren't going to be putting nursing facilities at risk of um, getting any kind of citation for this for any kind of breach in infection control or whatever, because it was an innovative idea. So Dr. France helped us get connected to the right people, um, the state's infection preventionist to say, you know what, as long as it's being cleaned according to CDC guidelines that we put into our manual, um, then we support this idea. And then we also checked through um, Joy Carpenter. She was an administrator boss of mine from years ago that got involved she connected us to the state surveyors so that we made sure that facilities, um, if they did happen to get surveyed during, well, they had an event, which didn't happen, by the way, um, 
that they'd been contacted and kind of knew that this might be something that facilities were doing and they loved the idea. So um, even though I have, I'm happy to be the face of the hug tunnel, you can tell that I have an amazing group of coworkers that have really become good friends through doing this incredibly meaningful work. And, um, and then I haven't even spoken about the music part of it, but um, right. It really well, takes a village for sure. Yeah, no, it sounds like that was such a collaborative effort in a time when we were seeing a lot of collaborative efforts like that in COVID when when people were really realizing that, you know, we're not going to get through this, you know, alone by doing the same status quo thing that we've always done. We have to be inventive and think outside the box and I don't think you can be more inventive than creating a way for people to hug each other, you know, when a viral pandemic is happening and you're not technically supposed to be touching each other. <laughs> Thank you for coming on the show and talking about it. Yeah, it's been my pleasure for sure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Living Healthy Longer, a podcast from the Center for Healthy Aging at CSU. Remember to follow us on social media at CSU Healthy Aging and visit our website at healthyaging.colostate.edu. We will see you next time.